0: Hi, Little Underground. I'm Peter A. This week on the show, we have Mount Fog, all the way from Seattle, returning to the show to talk up her brand new album, Spells of Silence. And we also talked the strength of the album's first single, Behind a Silent Door, as a lead single. And Carolyn also talked about variations of experiencing silence, booking her Forest Friends tour, and continuing to connect with Seattle's growing music community. It's always good to talk with Mount Fog right here on My Little Underground. Carolyn, Madam Mount Fog, how the hell are you? Glad to have you back on My Little Underground.
1: Hello. I'm happy to be here.
0: Yeah. New album, Spells of Silence. And uh, you said of this album, this album is about many different kinds of silence. Now, please elaborate on this. Okay,
1: I'll do my best. Um. Yeah, They're so your think, words. <laughs> um. Yeah, they are my words. I think it's it's one of those things that's I think with a lot of musical concepts, and I'm getting better at using my words to describe it. It can be hard to describe it in words. Um, but a lot of these songs just formulated came into being. Uh, at the be- not at the beginning of the pandemic, but you know, like two years in, and. Just spending a lot of time alone, just being alone a lot, um, and realizing that, you know, there are moments of lonely silence. There's silence that can be really healing and um, refreshing. Um, there's a lot of different kinds of silence. Um, the way I was describing it the other day is, you know, there's this silence of you close the door after your friends leave, and you have that moment of like, oh, You know, there's a silence in music where you know something's about to happen next. Um, And then there's silence where it's just really lonely, like 3 a.m. type of silence, um, where you can kind of get in your own head. So, yeah, it's kind of about those different spells of silence, those different times of being silent. Um, Some of them more meaningful than others, but that's that's kind of the idea overall.
0: Wonderfully put. Uh, that's great because we've all experienced that before. I know I have uh, many of those silences that you uh, described. and I want to congratulate you on your red vinyl selling out. Thank How do you, you feel about that?
1: Um, really good. I didn't really expect uh people to buy any of the things that we we're releasing. <laughs> uh, I was thank to Andrew who uh is. The person behind Ghost Mountain Records who is releasing this on vinyl cassette, I said to him, you know, worst case scenario, uh, you know, I'll have a bunch of vinyl in my basement. Because um, we were deciding how much of the cassettes and vinyl to um, produce. And we landed on 100 cassettes and 200 vinyl and doing 50 of the special red vinyl. Um, and didn't really realize that that was such a drop for people, but, you know, it's pretty rare. There's only 50 of them. So uh, I think people just are excited that it's really beautiful and um you know I think that the layout looks amazing and it'll it'll look really cool in person. It doesn't ex- exist yet, so it's still getting made in Canada. So
0: wow, yeah. Mount Fog's yeah. going international. I love
1: that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we we ended up working with this um pressing plant in Vancouver that's um eco-friendly you know they use recycled water and things like that um so as eco-friendly as you can be as a vinyl um pressing operation um but yeah they're a very small plant and um we're we're in their queue so it should be it should be ready to ship in february so not a crazy long wait but a few months
0: now with when coming up with the number of cassettes and records for Spells of silence. Is this based on how how well Guide to the Unusual did physically? Um
1: kind of. So we did we only did 40 cassettes for Guide to the Unusual, which is not very many at all, but we also released it on cassette uh, you know, like eight months after it came out digitally. And um I think that given that those Sold pretty quickly, especially at shows. Um, I think we were kind of factoring in the fact that people like five cassettes at shows because they're smaller, and you know, Cheaper. the price point is lower because um, there's a lot less that goes into it. Um, yeah, and um, that's a vital. You know, it's 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 closing in on thirty dollars all told. So I think it's, you know, it's more and a lot of people don't want vinyl because they don't have a vinyl uh, record player. So uh, yeah, we just kind of went with the numbers that were not the minimum number you could do, but pretty close to it. Because I think the not the worst thing you could do as an indie artist, that's way harsh. I think, I think it'd be unfortunate to print way too many and then just not be able to sell them and then just kind of have I think it's the better problem is to just sell out I think and then not have any anymore <laughs> like yeah I think that and so that's kind of what we landed on so we're like well we might sell out and then that's fine but then we're not going to have a bunch of them on our hands but even still I was like I don't know I'll probably have like a 100 vinyl in my basement for a year but I don't think that's going to happen actually so <laughs> yeah um that was kind of a factor. I don't know. I think it's also Ghost Mountain Records' first vinyl release. So wow, that was also an element in it as well. Um, it's just trying to hit that right spot of like not too few, not too many. Um, but I'd be curious, like if you ask other indie artists, like typically how many vinyl they get pressed, because I bet it varies quite a bit. Um, yeah. What do you know? Do you have a sense of that?
0: Um, I've seen... I've seen like fifty to a hundred, mm-hmm. um, and I know a uh, Miranda Old Man of the Woods <laughs> for her first EP, she did like twenty cassettes and they all sold out. I'm not sure yeah. how many records, um, how many records she did. Um, I should yeah. ask her about you know how her vinyl did, because I was more yeah. focused on the cassette. Because when I listen to to you and Miranda, you know cassette is like the go to format because it sounds really good the way uh, we all are doing, but um. I don't know if there's like a right number. I think it's just, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's, you know, maybe they're working with some sort of team that the, you know, they figure out a number, but I'm not really sure. I I don't know. I don't know, like the concrete signs to it.
1: Yeah, me either. And it's also like, I think it depends on whether you're going on tour or what your mode of presenting it to people is, if it's only on Bandcamp. Or only online versus interacting with people in person. Because I definitely noticed people at shows generally want to have a little piece of, you know, like a memory. So I think it's way easier to um, sell merch at a show versus online. Um, so, yeah.
0: On the cassette version of Guide to the Unusual, you previewed a new song. Yes. Off of Sp- what song was it?
1: Uh, unexpected Happiness.
0: Really, you know, I yeah. gotta go back and listen to it so yeah. to see how you know the the ver- the two versions differ.
1: They're pretty different. Okay. Yeah, they're pretty different. Actually, you're the first person to ask me about that. Um, yeah, they're pretty different. But it was it's funny how the songs evolve, and uh, you know, I haven't even gone back and listened to them side by side. Uh, so I sh- I should do that. That'd be fun to do. Uh, because putting putting the demo on the cassette pushed me to actually work on that song a lot more and kind of take it to the next level. Um because I think when you put something out there, you get more reflective about about the thing itself and you're like, hmm, what if it was like this or what if it was like this? So yeah.
0: Did you start working on Spells of Silence after or you said you started working on it during COVID? Um yeah. was that the same amount of time this, this the same time that you started working on Guides to the Unusual?
1: Uh no, I so basically I think the first song that I wrote for Spells of Silence is um, I'm see you are the clouds and I was, I worked on that last summer so it was like right around the time I released Guide the Unusual I started working on new songs um, and I started performing that song last fall so um yeah I pretty much just once I finished working on Guide the Unusual I just I just keep I'm just always writing new songs, so it wasn't like, now I'm done, boom, move on, completely new Carolyn. It was just kind of fluid. Um, so yeah, but all of the songs are from last summer till, uh, I think the last song I wrote was in January. So it was can we, can we expect,
0: oh, okay, can we expect annual albums from Mount <laughs>
1: Um... I don't know because this one i think spells of silence is was much higher production uh much more production than guided unusual um and uh we'll see if i have the energy to do a whole album production in the course of a year um because i plan to do a lot of like shows and um hopefully do another small tour based on spells of silence so performing and traveling around and that takes up a lot more energy that you know otherwise I would be just like at home working on new music so I'm already working on new music though I definitely have a folder on my desktop that uh, is entitled I think it's entitled new music He he. <laughs> like, all of my file management is just absolute trash like all of my files are like I don't know and, or like uh Like Crystal Cave Frog. that's like the name of one of my new songs. I always entitle things, whatever comes to mind immediately, right when I make it the first time. So a lot of my file names for songs are just totally wild and have nothing to do with the final name of the song. So it can get really confusing. (laughs) But yeah, I'm already working on new music, but I have some concepts I want to work on for the next projects that... Will take a little bit more energy, so I don't think I don't think I'm gonna release another album in a in the course of a year, but maybe like next year and a half, two years, yeah, probably.
0: All right, yeah, no rush. You put out two pretty <laughs> great albums within two years, so you know I, I'm patient, I'm content, I can sit with these two projects <laughs> okay. in, until okay, you're okay. ready. Yeah, I, I really want to see you live though, even though you're only doing West Coast shows right now, um, because. Um, you know, just hearing these songs, I'm like, I want to see this fleshed out. Like, I'm gonna share with you my favorite songs off of Ooh, Spells of Silence, if you yes. don't mind. Mm-hmm. So um, Behind the Silent Door. Yes, it's the first song, and you shared it with me before you put it out. Yeah, and yeah. the reason why I like this song is because you know, I'm not an a AR, I don't work for a record label or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But this it sounds like this sounds like a lead single. What a lead mm-hmm. single should sound like if somebody is going to try to do something like that. It's yeah. very buoyant. It is and and your your um your vocal prowess is is really is phenomenal. It's that it's like part of like, Thank um you. it's like an instrument. Your voice is an instrument, but you really made it sound like an instrument on this tune. it's it's Thank phenomenal. You, it's so cool. And um, I'm the lake because I really felt like I was by the water listening to this song. oh, um,
1: awesome.
0: yes. And outside mm-hmm. voices really cool. you know you were talking about, you know the production is like more dense on on this album, yeah. and I definitely feel that. Did I detect a mandolin on this song?
1: That's my that's me plucking my violin.
0: Oh, it's your violin. Okay, yeah, cool, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sounded great, sounded great, Thank phenomenal. You. I loved it. Oh okay. um, yeah, that's fun to hear. What are so what are some of your favorite songs off Spells of Silence?
1: So, I think like, that's an interesting question because um, it's kind of like once you once you play and work on music a lot you kind of have a different relationship with the songs you like the most because I feel like it ends up being the songs that uh I think are the least annoying or cringe (laughs) like the songs that I feel like kind of stand up in terms of their how much they annoy me (laughs) um but then I also have songs that like I feel like are more emotional or more personal um so I feel like there's a few ways of answering that question, like uh, because once you work on something for so many hours, it's like your relationship with hearing it is different. So I think I think the way I want to answer that question is what songs are most personal to me. Um, are you gonna think, change
0: my question? That's great. That's awesome.
1: Sorry, <laughs> I just can't answer the favorites because I just feel like once you listen to something this many times, because I I mixed the album myself, um, and wow. that's just hours. That's I spent so many hours fixing it. Um, so I think, yeah, favorites in terms of most personal or emotional, I would say I am the you are the clouds, um, and It in the dark uh, is very meaningful to me. Um, so yeah, I think those are two of my favorites, and I also, I also really like the sentiment of unexpected happiness. Um, And yeah, so I think those are probably my, my favorite. So, yeah. Why? Um, just, yeah, just like there, in terms of the lyrics and like the tone and kind of what I'm trying to convey is just things that I was going through at the time that like, it's kind of like more like your journal entry as a song kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's cool to be able to like, take something emotional and, like, translate it into music. And I, I feel like I was so much successful in those songs to be able to do that, and I, I think that's why. I'm really proud of them for that reason, too. So, yeah, I think those are my favorites. Yeah, them.
0: you should be. You should be proud. Um, The release show for Spells of Silence was at yeah. Barboza. Where's yeah. that? That's Seattle or Olympia?
1: No, it's Seattle. It was yeah. last night. Yeah. <laughs> no, was oh, How was it? How was night. it? Um... It it, it was really interesting because we had the worst air quality of any city on the earth yesterday. Oh, my goodness. The wildfire smoke, and it was really hard to breathe. It was toxic air, and it didn't really stop anyone from going out, but it did. I I woke up yesterday feeling ill (laughs) and just, like, feeling kind of, like, at 75% my normal kind of energy levels just because it just it's been many days of really bad air quality and um it just starts really getting to you physically and so I kind of went into the show being like oh and I also moved two weeks ago
0: wow
1: so, yeah and we moved ourselves and we moved across town and we moved into a house and like it's just been a lot of stuff happening so I I was just like I got this I kind of went went into the show with the attitude of like, I got this rather than I'm about to like hit this out of the park, you know, like it was a little bit more of like a, I'm going to get through this and it's going to be good and I'm going to have a great time. And I, I had a fantastic time and um, part of what made it so great is the other bands I played with, uh, they're just kind of inspiration bands. Uh, slash Projects in Seattle, and it was really cool to finally be able to play a show as a group because it's something we've wanted to do for a while. And I just feel like our music fits together really well. Um, and then um, uh, someone in Seattle who I'm friends with did live visuals, and it was just very cool how they set it up. Um, and we had a great turnout, um, so it was just a great show. And I I I did my best performance-wise. Um, And then I stayed up really late. Some friends came over and we just actually, Miranda came over we drank wine on my stoop and it was really lovely, but then I was up way too late and, uh, yeah, but it was really fun and it was really special seeing so many people come out and support the show and the release and, uh, yeah, it was great. It was really great. Um, it's just a great reminder of how I'm really glad that I do perform my music and like. That just feels really central to the support I feel like I get from the Seattle music community. Um, and so, yeah, it was just a great reminder of that. Um, so that was cool. But yeah, I'm just like so physically just wrecked today. Like, yeah. so yeah.
0: Wow. Like you're giving me some real FOMO right now because I oh, would no. love... To chop it up with you and Miranda in oh. the flesh, you know, I got yeah, to I hang out with know. Miranda, and yeah, when she, yeah, I would love to come out to Seattle. Um, I've always wanted to go, and uh, Miranda, you know, came to New York one time. We hung out, we chopped it up, oh. And It would be so cool to hang out with both of y'all to, you know, to pick your brains and to hear how you guys, you know move around in this.
1: Uh, um, Yeah, I mean, it was actually really cool because we got to play a show together in September. Yes. Yeah, I think we saw that. that. It was so fun. We played at this bar that's uh, a golf bar in Olympia. Um, It was on my little forest friends tour. And uh, yeah, it was fantastic. It was actually Miranda's first kind of official performance, which is, I I feel so honored that she uh, did her first ever performance uh with me and yeah we we had a great we had a great weekend um so that was pretty special but again it's just like you know I think it's one thing to connect with people online which is great and can be a great conduit you know to relationships but like it's also really special to be able to like bond with people at live shows and just like be in a safe space and like enjoy music together and um yeah it's just a great reminder of how valuable that is and um Uh, It's a great venue, too. It's just a really really nice space. So, um, yeah, it's pretty perfect all around, except I'm really, really tired. But luckily, we actually, I think it was our show that brought the rain. It rained in Seattle today, and the air quality is great. So everything's better today, yeah. The air is no longer smoky,
0: so. I remember uh, Miranda did a live set online that was tremendous mm. it was so cool visually and of course so cool. uh, she's a very she's talented so it was so cool so I can't imagine what it's like to see both Mount Fog yeah. and Old Man of the Woods together <laughs> ah that's just great mega yeah. FOMO right now mega FOMO I hope you play more shows
1: together that'd be really fun yeah yeah that makes sense Kinda oh makes you brought
0: sense. up your you brought up your Forest Friends tour that was yeah. up and down the Pacific Northwest was yeah. this a DIY effort or did you yeah. have some, okay, all right.
1: Yeah, it was DIY, but I will say there was no stop along the tour that I didn't have significant help from either a random contact in terms of like a band from the town who helped me get in touch with a, you know, a venue or um, a booking kind of like agency. I don't know how you describe like someone who does booking in Portland um, help me organize the Portland show so basically like I did a lot of the initial organizing and then I my main way of organizing it was to find people who are like connectors who could help me get the show organized in that location because if you're not a well-known person you don't have someone helping you like an agency or something it's really hard to just get a venue's attention and have them respond to your emails if you're from out of town so having contacts in each of these places was really, really, um, uh, important. So yeah, actually the COBA show is also through someone who does, uh, booking in the area. And then the Olympia show was also someone helped, like someone who does booking for Olympia venues, helped me organize that. So it was still DIY because I did all of the emailing and like wrangling. And uh, I, I had this Seattle artist, um, designed the tour poster so i did all of the details and like it was really really fun and honestly like the small towns the smaller the town the better the show because like it was i it just had amazing turnout in some of these places and it made me kind of realize that's one of the struggles in a bigger place like seattle where there's like so much going on every night that it's a little bit harder to get people to come out to the local music show um but i think the the most well-attended show i did was on san juan island which is like this very small island that has a very small permanent resident community and like they showed up like i felt like the whole island was at our show so it was really really fun yeah
0: so in all the shows that uh you played along this tour especially Mm -hmm. the ones within seattle and the outside seattle Mm -hmm. area are some of the bands that you or artists that you played with mostly from those areas? Because I see there's some bills in New York that would have one New York act and the rest are like, oh, one person's from D.C. and the other one's from <laughs> Seattle or something like that. Oh, Is it like that in, in um, like the Pacific um, Northwest?
1: I feel like it was mostly bands from the place. So, yeah, the Portland show was a Portland band. Um, the Everett show was an Everett band and a Seattle band. Everett's really close to Seattle. Um Olympia stayed with me, Miranda, and then a band that's based in Olympia. So the Tacoma show was two Tacoma, oh well, no, it was an Olympia based band, Tacoma band. So it was yeah, it was basically like either bands from the place or from nearby, which is either Seattle or Tacoma. So um yeah, it was a mix. I mean it's pretty it was a pretty small geographic area. Um and I only did five shows, so um, there's still a lot of shows, I have to say. <laughs> but, yeah, it was it was mostly bands around the town or
0: just, yeah, yeah. Would you eventually, when you eventually try to do another tour, is there mm-hmm. any other states along the West Coast that you want to perform? Or maybe, mm-hmm. maybe I'm just taking a shot at the dark here, yeah. are you eventually going to try to go maybe the Midwest or even the East Coast?
1: Well, I'm from the East Coast. So I'm very, and I lived in the Northeast uh, New England for a while, so I'm pretty familiar with the area. Um, I think it just depends on the circumstances, because I don't think that I would want to DIY a non-Northwest tour. Mm. I just think it would, I don't think that I could do that um, successfully or in a way that didn't drive me up the wall <laughs> crazy with... <laughs> so many emails reaching out to people following up you know all that so I think if I were to do a tour outside of this area I would either want to be opening for someone who had already organized the tour and be like the the act that comes along with them or um work with um someone else who does this as a job and just like pay them to book it for me because like yeah I don't I don't have enough connections on the East Coast with musicians to be able to do that myself, um, which, yeah, if, if I did, I'd do it, but I just don't. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's also just, you know, there's a lot of like tour discourse right now, and um, I just think I the tour experience made me really want to play in more places, but it also made me realize that, that What made this tour possible was the connections I forged in the Northwest. Um, And without that, I just don't know if I could actually book a tour like that. I think it'd be really hard. I think I could do it. I know people do it, but um, yeah, And I think also like if you're going to go to the effort to go play a bunch of shows, I think it'd be nice if people are in the audience. I just think it'd be really brutal to put so much effort into organizing a DIY tour and then play a bunch of shows where there's very, very few people there. Um, so, and I think if you don't have the connections in a place, it's going to be harder to know, like, what are the right venues? What are the like, problematic venues? Who are the problematic bands to avoid? Like, I don't, that's all like information that, you know, you get, if you're connecting with people who are part of a network and community, you know? So anyways
0: what have you learned as an artist when putting together the forest friend store
1: what have i learned as an artist Mm
0: -hmm. Um, about yourself or just hmm. as a musician
1: i did learn a little bit more about putting together a good set list for people who've never heard me play before that was a good learning thing um I think also just like it's really fun to meet other musicians. Um, and that, that's something I genuinely do enjoy and want to seek out. Um and uh that they're just so like like I said, like these small towns like really showed up for the indie music and that just felt really special and kind of made me realize some of the things that we could do better in Seattle um, but also just the challenges of living in a big city um, in terms of like cultivating music community so but I think about myself it's just like uh, I love performing but it's very much you're like you kind of like spill your guts on the table every time you perform at least I feel that way and I kind of Wore myself a little thin doing all of these shows because I didn't take off time from work. I was working full time. I also was in the process of moving. Like, I just kind of was exhausted. So, I think something I'm trying to learn more about myself from that is just how to put myself out there, continue to perform, continue to build, try to build community, but not wear myself to the point where I'm starting to get burnt out so just being really aware of that where i'm like i don't have to do all of the above i can kind of just be a little more choosy about things and be more aware that i don't have limitless energy and uh that it can come back to bite me if i push myself too hard um so that is something that i took away from it um
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) think about what it's like carolyn as like someone who goes to show like I'm not an artist going to shows. It's also exhausting Yeah, because like working a full-time job and you, you have to work, you want to go to the show to support this band, but there's four bands on the bill and the show doesn't start. till eight and then it's, Oh my God, it can get really exhausting. And I went through a burnout period that you're talking about with this podcast. And now it's like, I don't need to interview everybody because it's overwhelming as a lot of work. And yeah. I don't want to talk to anybody, literally. So I, I'm I'm in a similar boat uh, as yeah. you in that regard.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's so true about going to shows being exhausting. Uh I think the four-band bill needs to be maybe outlawed. Yeah. <laughs> so no, just like because the bands don't like it and the audience doesn't like it. So I don't really feel like it's working for people.
0: No, not at all. Um so with uh, your release show at Barboza, mm-hmm. I saw you posted a set list and you closed off with Behind the Silent Door. Um, yeah. Is there a reason behind that? A specific reason?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I have a philosophy about my set list. Um, I I, really, and I also spent so long coming up with my set list and ultimately I was like, I don't know if that was the best way to do it. Because um, I'm still learning how to perform my new songs. But I always feel like your last song should be your best song
0: wow so you think behind like, the silent door is your best song
1: I think I think it's the most um I think it's the one that is most acceptable in a certain way
0: right um, like exactly what I was saying like it's yeah. a great lead <laughs> single wow
1: it was the lead single yeah so uh yeah and I think people remember what you the last few songs in your set, that's what most people are gonna remember. Wow. So that's, that's cool. why I structured it that way. <laughs> yeah. The, the very beginning, the first impression, and then like the last impression. I think uh those are the most important parts of your set list, in my opinion.
0: I know the last time we talked, you said you were a very, very casual wrestling fan. Um, very, has that yeah have you become you've been through a lot the past yeah. year or so so have you been you've probably been watching much less <laughs> wrestling you know
1: that. what <laughs> I don't, I don't think so I I basically never watch it on tv I only yeah. ever go to the live shows and I don't think I've been to a live wrestling show in over I think gosh I think the last time I went was oh yeah it was right around November 11th because I went with my friend Chris and his brother who was in town, which was a few days after I played a show at the Timber Room, which was November 11th, 2021. So the last live show I went to was at this place that no longer exists. They closed down. So, yeah, that's the last one I went to. And I, I haven't been back yet. Um, was it Defy? I don't. I think so.
0: Okay. I think we might have talked about this.
1: yeah 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 Yeah, there's a lot of like we said there's a lot of overlap and actually like one of the music writers that i really like in seattle is also a big like wrestling fan and writes about wrestling as well so there's definitely a lot of overlap there
0: okay um new album spells of silence um get it wherever you get your your albums and you can get it on bandcamp and so, Carolyn, this is your time to plug anything you got going okay. on. Okay. Albums, shows, et cetera.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest one is really just Bandcamp. Um, we're sold out of the special Blood Red Smash vinyl, but there's still black vinyl available, and we also have these beautiful yellow cassettes. Um, and they're on Bandcamp, pretty limited, and... Um, that's what that's where I want to send most people is just my band camp because I think that's where it's at of course I'm on all the streaming platforms um but upcoming shows are very Seattle so um yeah I guess like if you have a favorite artist that you see going on tour that you think I'd be a good fit for uh I want the people who listen to this podcast to uh you know, make a make a plug for uh, Mount Fogg to join that tour so I can get out to the East Coast. Because <laughs> otherwise, <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to do it.
0: All right. I'll see what I can do. i see how okay. I can help in that regard. Thank you.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's it. Thanks, yeah.
1: thanks for this opportunity. I
0: appreciate it. Yeah. It's always good to talk to you, Carolyn. Always. You, you know, oh, Mount Fogg is always oh, open on My Little Underground. You can always pull up. Oh, yeah. I'm
1: sorry I was late, too.
0: Five minutes. You're fine.
1: Yeah, well, okay.